Welcome to the show. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is episode 120 of the Gray Area Podcast. I think we're going to treat this much like Telltale treats their games and put it out in episodic content. So this entire episode, uh, the, retire- the entire recording with Job covers VR as a tool for exercise and as a new platform of the future. It covers Walking Dead, The New Frontier. Guardians of the Galaxy, Batman, a whole lot about Job himself and Telltale Creative Communications. And I'm going to break this into three sections since it is an hour and a half interview. One section will be exclusively for VR, second will be mostly about Job himself, and the third will cover games in particular. So the first of the sections you're going to have today is the gaming section, uh, and we'll see what that encompasses as you go throughout the episode. And then I'll finish with an omnibus-style episode, which has everything all together in the order that we spoke about. So if you're the kind of person that has an hour and a half to sit down and enjoy an episode, I think that is ideal. But for many of you who are on the go and are listening to this in the car or elsewhere as you're traveling, the half-hour portions might be a little more palatable to you on-the-go people. So here you go. Episodic. Enjoy. and welcome to the gray area where I give interviews with developers talk about gaming news and give you unique insights into the industry my name is Genesee Gray and this is the 120th episode very special in a show Woo-hoo. yeah in a show called tell us a tale so today we have Job Stauffer head of creative communications worldwide at telltale games so welcome to the show welcome to the show glad to have you thank you so much thanks for having me yeah all right and now for something completely different oh here we go. <laughs> Since you're here, and you know, Telltale is a huge part of your life, and honestly, part of mine, I feel that we should have some, I don't know, <laughs> a nod to this. So we're going to give you some choices, because Telltale is oh, all about Jesus. choices. Oh, man. Yeah. So here we go. Reap what you sow. Okay. <laughs> so Jesse and Joe were sitting together, reminiscing about life and jobs, and mm-hmm. he looks toward her nostalgically or brightly towards the future which one hmm well we haven't known each other for terribly long so i'm gonna say brightly towards the future brightly towards the future all right let me move to your selection marvel's guardians of the galaxy releasing (laughs) april 18th so april 18th yes now my understanding is that the movie is going to release in May, almost exactly mm. a month after this. Do you yeah. think that, that this kind of prequel to the game uh, is going to have any kind of impact on the success of the film or vice versa? Um, well, so I, I think it's, I mean, we're very excited and Marvel's super excited. Um, it's not based on the film. I would say, and it's not even necessarily based on any storyline of the comic. It's kind of, it's kind of like what we did with Batman, where it's this is Telltale's own version of the story, and this is going to be our own version of Guardians. So it's not, you know, it's not going to be Vin Diesel and, uh, you know, Chris Pratt. It's you know, a slightly different cast. It's definitely our own take on it, but that really just gives us our own space to let the player choose their own path and play their own story. So. Um, I think dropping April 18th is going to be super awesome, and I think people are going to be very excited. 
we're recording this now, but I think by the time people hear it, the trailer will have already dropped. It's uh, 9 a.m. tomorrow. But it just looks so cool. And it's it's all, you know, working with Marvel is just, it's like a dream. Like, if you think about what, what we do at Telltale, working in pop entertainment and comics and converging all that with video games, interactive storytelling, and, you know, we want to work with the best storytellers in the world. And, like, we've got so many amazing partners right now, like Skybound, HBO, Mojang, 2K, uh, DC Warner, and now Marvel. It's just, it's it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts and a huge honor to be working with these guys. Um, and I think, uh, I think dropping just before the film for digital is going to be uh, awesome for fans to get ready for the movie. And I think uh, we actually have a retail season pass disc dropping, I think, in April, sorry, May 2nd. Uh, and then May 5th uh, in Europe. So that's just around the same time as the film as well. So uh, I, I think there's a there's an old marketing word that's super played out. We call it synergy. <laughs> I, I, I've never used it unless I'm talking about... I heard you. Uh, I just Gem- heard you use it. And, unless I'm talking about Jim and the Holograms. And oh, we'll my God. I love you a little bit wife. for that. Oh, man. Um, super big fan. Um, but no, I think it's the right time. And it's actually been... We've, we've yet to have a series starting where it's kind of like right where the sort of corresponding kind of property is really, you know, about to emerge or come back into the forefront. And it's just, it's just awesome to work with these guys and awesome to, to kind of give back to the fans something uh, that we, we, we know they're really looking for right at the time where they want it. So we're stoked. I don't know what you've released on like who's, what characters are in this, etc. But mm-hmm. I know that in the walking dead, uh, that there were a couple of maybe sneak appearances from people that were in the TV show. You might have recognized a character here or there, mm-hmm. not as a main person. Um, in the Guardians of the Galaxy, these these main characters for this. Is there anybody that we might recognize from the film at all? Any kind of correlation um, there? Well, um, from the property, I would say. Um, well, we have like Peter, comic? Star-Lord. Peter, uh, yeah, Star- oh, yeah, Star-Lord. Do. Okay, good. Yeah, so you're you're predominantly playing as Star Lord. You're not going to play just as him. There are going to be moments where you're going to play as the rest of the Guardians. Um, uh, Rocket, Groot, Gamora, uh, Drax are all there. The gang's all there, and we we actually weren't able to show the world this guy until this week, but uh, he's in the trailer. But um, Thanos, the Mad oh. Titan, um, is a is a significant part of the situation. I will mm-hmm. say that, mm-hmm. and. Um, even more villainous surprises um, that I don't think a lot of people are expecting that we haven't shown yet. Um, and uh, I don't know if we've said, I'm trying to think if we've said this character yet. No, he's, there's definitely someone, uh, definitely some more characters that, that you've seen in, in the film and you're going to see them in, in this series and sort of telltale his own way. So more surprises, more cool things <laughs> to look forward to, and we're we're about a month away, half a month away. Got ya. Now, does this open up any doors for you for Avengers and other kind of things that are happening in the universe at the same time? Uh, I'm so, I'm sorry, I lost connection there for uh-huh, a second. Right? Uh, are you? <laughs> are we still on? Yeah. Is it still recording? Uh huh. Oh. Um, Oh, I guess, did you hear my answer? No, no. Oh, well, that's too bad. Yeah, um, okay, well, uh, good to know, good to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool things are happening and fans are going to love it. Okay, awesome. Well, you didn't choose it, but we're going to go back anyway um, to the nostalgia of the past. 
Oh, okay. So, favorite childhood Hit games. the rewind button. That's right. You get both answers. And this, I okay. give you everything. It's just a matter of which All is right. priority. I'm down. So, childhood games, your favorite one. My favorite one? Yes, you have to commit. Just one. Ah, come on. Really? <laughs> it's all about hard choices here. I grew up on so many. What am, what am I, I, that's like, oh man. Um, Jesus. Um, you know, I, gosh, come on. I know. I would say I'm. You want to say you Little know, Mermaid, which is surprisingly I hard. Kind of, you know, those Capcom <laughs> Disney games are making this big comeback, and that's the one thing they haven't put back into the forefront. We got Chippendale, we got DuckTales, <laughs> we got all this, but no Little Mermaid, guys. Like, come on. Um, no, it's uh, it's tough to say. Like, if I, I it, for me, like I grew up on, I grew up on, like, you know, I grew up with an NES. You know, I remember I lived in California, and uh, I was like one of the first families to get this, like crazy little like Japanese home console thing that no one had heard of yet. And we're playing Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt and Contra. all that stuff. And Contra, you know, I, I grew up on NES and then I was always a Nintendo household. So grew up with uh, Super NES and N64. And like, I was never, I never had a Genesis. No friends had Genesis, but I, I would borrow one or like play Sonic. I remember renting a Genesis like every couple months. And I'd be like, oh yeah, this is not like a yeah, and then, you know, and then got the PlayStation, and, you know, it became pretty console agnostic. But I think growing <laughs> up in, growing up a Nintendo kid, um, my two favorites were, I think, Super... I was just having this conversation with, um, you know, our team here. Everyone's been carrying their Switches around and loving Breath of the Wild, and it, I'm sure it's already, you know, got its Game of the Year awards, like, stacked up and ready to go for next year already. Seems fantastic. I've not been able to, to even get off that starting plateau island yet because I've been so busy. <laughs> but like my my favorite Zelda of all time is Link to the Past. I I will I can play that game anytime I start it. Like I'll just want to go all the way through it and all the way back through everything and just like, reminisce and remember all this stuff and just I, I I grew up playing Link to the Past millions of times and I I love it I love it so much. But something else that was super close to my heart. And I remember, um, I remember hearing about this game and, and reading about it in Nintendo Power and desperately trying to find copies, but no one could find it because it was so hard for stores to stock it because they shipped Earthbound in this giant cardboard box with the player's guide. And I remember distinctly, like for weeks and weeks and weeks, every Walmart, every electronics boutique, every, you know, uh, game store I could possibly check. No one had it. I remember finally getting to this West Coast video in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. I am also from PA. Uh Um, And they had, they finally had Earthbound back in stock and I rented it and it was like the greatest day of my life. (laughs) And it was the one day, like as the anticipation was so, so great for this game that was like kind of an RPG, but it was like, it was like kind of modern America and you're just kind of around a podunk little town like I lived in in Pennsylvania and like you've got your dog and your psychic friends and your <laughs> kung fu friend and your geek friend is making like ray guns and it's like this is so cool and like scratch and sniff cards in the book and like I, I love Earthbound so much and that was the first time I remember in my entire life where and I know I think I was only like 13 or 12 I don't I forget how old I was exactly but um, the first time I had ever turned on a game 
you know, the afternoon I got it, the morning I got it, and come home and completely did not sleep. I was awake. I remember the sun going down. I remember going all the way through, you know, on it and four side and three and all the way through Earthbound and playing without sleep for at least at least until the sun went down again and I beat is it Gygus, you say, the, the last boss? But, like, Earthbound was, like, a monumental moment in my life. And um, I love, love, love the, the vibe of that series, the writing, the, uh, the artwork, the pacing of everything. Like, it's, it's so close to my heart. And uh, it was such, like, a landmark moment in my, in my gaming youth to, like, finally get to play Earthbound and finally get to experience this thing that was so hard to find and became so hard to find for years and years later and is still, like, this huge, like, you know, sticking point with American players and everyone's still angry at Nintendo for not giving us, you know, Mother 3. And, you know, it's... it's uh, I, I love that franchise. My wife actually made me for my birthday one year. Um, uh, it's, like, a... Maybe, like, a two-by, three-and-a-half canvas painting of a, of a Starman. Um, when it's like dimensional too, like it pops out with like this clay surface and she painted it silver and like it's right in our living room. And like, it's every time I look at that, I just remember being a kid and getting that copy of Earthbound at West Coast Video and renting it for like a week. And then, and then, uh, um, and, and just having the time of my life. So I would say if it were a telltale choice between Link to the Past and Earthbound, (laughs) um, it would be tough and I would probably... I might time out, but if I were forced to decide, <laughs> I might I might say Earthbound just because it, it 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 I'll never forget that night that I stayed up completely until the sun came up and went down again, um, and I think I've never recovered. So Aww. Earthbound. Does this mean you like to play Super Smash Brothers because Ness? <laughs> Ness and Lucas. Um, yeah, like I, I love Smash Bros. Man, like I'll, I'll throw down anytime. Just give me Wario and Mr. Game and Watch, and I'm good. Awesome. Okay, so moving back to present day, um, creative oh. communications. Yes, yeah, so there we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On your resume and describing this, it says that. Oh gosh, um, wait—is he talking about my resume or my LinkedIn? Well, your this is from your LinkedIn. So that is like the modern resume now. It's it? pretty much. Like, you don't really got to make one. It. You just got to have that profile. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice that it has endorsements and everything on it. I, I think it's a good platform to look somebody uh-huh. up. But de- describe your job in, in a breakdown of day-to-day, because this sounds very impressive, but oh. it's a little bit highbrow from my understanding. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I, I, looking back at my career in games, I think 2004 or five. I was, even before that, like I was working in like game events all around New York City and um, just kind of doing a lot of games marketing um, before there was YouTube, before there was Facebook, before there was MySpace, like back in like the ancient internet times, um, and like doing like gaming events all around Manhattan. This is kind of like while I was coming out of college and uh, moved on to Rockstar and did a lot of stuff that was kind of between marketing and PR and and kind of development insight and kind of like watching consumers and feeding that back to the dev team and you know, writing all these reports to the housers of like, here's what people are saying about San Andreas and this is what we, we should do for GTA 4. And like, it was kind of like this integrated kind of thing that I'd done. Um, and then I kind of moved into more PR publicity stuff uh, there and moved on into that agency side and 
did that for Namco and Dark Souls is a big part of my life. I remember launching Dark Souls for Namco. But at Telltale, um, you know, they, they didn't really have a, a big internal publicity before I started, back in early 2012, before Walking Dead. So I kind of, um, I came in and, and it was nice to kind of come into a smaller studio that didn't really have a precedent and but needed it so much. And um, uh, the way that the studio works, it's so unlike any other company in the business and that like we're always making content we always kind of have you know a couple different projects going at the same time and like every month or every other month like there's there's something about to emerge and an episode's about to ship and oftentimes like these these series are kind of yes they're catering to telltale fans but they're catering to different audiences like the minecraft audience isn't necessarily the same as the walking dead audience um so what we do um which kind of started as more pr but as we kind of understood like how often we need to kind of be a part of everything to kind of keep the trains running like we will work with um we'll work with production we'll work with the writers we'll work with the creative team the designers the partners are a big um uh, uh part of our day-to-day as well like working with marvel and skybound and all these guys and it's just it's so integrated um into the creative process and into the development process that's as as what is typically seen as more of a publicist role we're also you know we're working with everyone there internally and with our partners but we're also working with the fans and with every episode that we ship we're we're looking at fan feedback and we're looking where people are saying on our forums what they're saying on twitter what they're saying on facebook what they're saying on their twitch stream or the youtube channels and and then we'll go back in and then for the next episode we're we're evaluating this stuff and because we have to work so quickly not like another developer that you know like i remember working at rockstar i was like you know, we work for like two, three years on GTA 4, and then you're just kind of working on getting ready for this one thing that's going to launch once, and then you're kind of not, you're not outward facing, you're not doing a lot of this stuff during the long lead development. Here, like, it's bam, 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 like, because it's, it's more, it's interactive storytelling. We, we, we kind of work more like a TV network, so we're often the first people in the rooms, you know, sitting in the screening room playing our scripts and playing our, our episodes of first playables and second playables and just before we kind of ship them and submit them out because we also don't have that time um, that most other game studios have to kind of like, oh, this is being developed in Poland and then we're <laughs> going to get a build and then nine months later we're going to ship it. Exactly. So we have all this time to kind of internalize it. You kind of become integrated as a part of the process. Um, and, uh, you know, being close to the editorial being close to the fans and being close to the creative team it, it just kind of becomes this thing that kind of you know and and also handling all of our social media it becomes something a little bit different than what i would say is traditionally thought of as pr and uh we we kind of shifted to to kind of call it creative communications and it was interesting because we, we did that and then our friend uh my friend owen over at moyang decided to change it from from pr too because like they have a similar thing because they're so they're so involved with the community and that's such a community driven product and world and landscape over at Mojang with Minecraft that like that, that kind of made more sense than just PR or just like community guy. It's, it's kind of this at this intersection of everything else. And then I remember seeing like EA and Activision, a couple other teams kind of like, yeah, well PR is kind of changing and we're kind of involved with this now. And I think some people now start to call it integrative, commu- integrated communications. Um, but like I, I don't know, this is it's just kind of something that we kind of, kind of, I don't want to say invented ourselves, but it's just 
the, the nature of our own beasts kind of made that make more sense for us. Got you. Okay. In the present, as we're talking right now, some news has yes. come out recently about Twitch streamers and how they kind of, uh, there's some changes on how streaming and them getting almost like an investment in the games that they're helping to sell. And mm-hmm. I know you've spoken about that before. Considering Telltale and the idea of perhaps making personal choices, kind of maybe keeping things under wraps a little more with episodic games, like what's your take on this and, and how it translates to some of the games that you know you would play that are the story driven games like Telltale does? In terms of Well how... in the, like for shooters or, you know, something like that where where it's more action-driven stuff where you're watching someone and, you know, it's mm-hmm. a map-driven thing. Like, that makes sense to me to watch a streamer. Some people do watch as well when you have, like, an RPG. But I'm wondering, like, if people... Like, I wouldn't necessarily want to watch a Telltale game because I would be afraid that I would ruin Spoil the everything. surprise for myself. Exactly. Yeah, so here's what's interesting about that is um, when I came into Telltale in early 2012 and, you know, just coming from, you know, a, a larger corporate... Uh, Japanese publisher um, and just kind of seeing watching the business and, and you know what was interesting I had done this I remember doing this thing with IGN and it was um, it was myself and uh, editor-in-chief at the time Casey Lynch a uh, really good friend of mine um, and Keza McDonald were probably one of my favorite uh, editors from over in the UK she flew all the way out to IGN and we, we actually were like look at all these people streaming look at them like playing these games. And then at the time, the vibe with publishers and media and developers, whatever the difference is these days, um, was like, oh, no, no, like, take our games down. Like, you can't do that. You're going to show the whole thing and no one's going to play it. And, like, that was the vibe at the time, as well as the vibe at the time that downloadable games weren't games, but all that's a separate story. <laughs> um, uh, and we were looking at this and being like, you know what? Like, this game is huge, people kind of don't know, like, how big and badass it is. People don't get that this thing is basically like in Castlevania that's going to kick your ass and chew you up and spit you out over and over and over again, prepare to die. Like, it was, like, probably one of the hardest, most insane, intense, and just beautiful, gothic, and elaborate games, like, I've ever been involved with. And we had this idea where it's like, okay, like, instead of, like, embargoing everything and, like, constantly calling YouTube and getting your videos taken down. Like, what if we just stream the whole game as much as we could for 24 hours, like, leading up to launch day? And then I remember doing that from the IGN office with those guys as, like, a crazy experiment. Like, what if we did this? And at the time, it wasn't super common. Like, it was, like, a crazy left-field idea. And we actually brought one of the biggest fans of at the time, like Demon Souls. Remember seeing this guy, Berto. Berto, if you're listening, how's it going, man? Hope you're well. Um, and we all played this thing. We all were delirious. And we played from day all the way through the night. We got, I think we got all the way to Ornstein and Smo, and like we had like Journey, Don't Stop Believing playing. And like we just tried our best. It was nice because it was nostalgic for me because I remember staying up, you know, uh, for Thirstbound, like as a kid, like all the way through the night, 24 hours, I'm going to play this game. So stoked to play it. <laughs> and we did this event and it was like, no one had done really anything quite like it at the time. I remember always being so proud of that because I had some artist friends that lived like out in the Sierra Mountains from another gig I had before that were really into sculpting and art, and they made all these Dark Souls statues, and we had them in the stream. And like, 
it was kind of like this as 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 that culture was emerging in 2012 i always felt like so proud to like help put that together because a i love that series and i was so stoked to see it get the attention and love it deserved um but but seeing sort of the twitch world and the streaming world start to come into its own and start to really emerge back then um was awesome so as and when i jumped over to telltale you know our, our episodes are you know 90 minutes two hours a little over under like feature length right and they're story driven so that's different from a dark souls where it's you know so obtuse and hundreds and hundreds of hours long um if you choose to die and die and die again um that question did come up is like ah, oh, like is it spoiling it are people not you know are they not buying it because they're just watching it on youtube and like what what does this mean and um Honestly, like at the time, it was I, you know, at least as the publicist um, or handling the publicity, and you know, a lot of us here at Telltale were like, you know what, like, why do these guys really seem to like it? And you know, they're we're we're seeing genuine emotional reaction from these players recording themselves and 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 playing this game and playing Walking Dead. Like, why would we take this down? Like, why would we why would we not want the world to see you know what our games are capable of doing to people and to players? And not only that, like I said, we're always looking at the community. We're always looking at what people have to say on Twitter and um, in our forums. But it's also a whole other level when you could see people on Twitch and on YouTube reacting. You know, typically you have to pay for that stuff, like as market research groups. You know, like seeing what people think. But typically you do that before the game launches, and you try to make adjustments. You know, before you actually launch something. But for us, being episodic, you know, when we launch an episode one, and we can see what how everyone's reacting live on Twitch or live on YouTube we take all that feedback right back into the next episode and episode three and four down the line because we're developing live. So for us, like that's part of the development process, the fans and the people playing and streaming and, and, and sharing their experiences, huge part of what we do. Um, so uh, bring this back to the Twitch thing and the revenue share, like that was also like, uh, I think I did, I did their, I'm actually sitting in that studio room uh, doing, where I, I did that piece for them for Twitch and Amazon. Um, you know, like, we're now starting to sell our games through Twitch as a platform, which is awesome because, you know, it's another place where you can sell your digital content, and then we, we obviously will get paid if you buy it, but it's it's an awesome way for viewers and fans to support their streamer because they get a cut too if they're if they're buying through their streamer stream. Like, click, click my link, and then I'll get a cut of this, and then I... You know, Twitch, Amazon gets their cut, I think. Um, but like, that's just that only helps to encourage people to support streamers, support developers, and for us, you know, again, to 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 have this, to have people enjoying our stuff and sharing the experiences live online, and um, uh, there's really no downside. Let's everybody wins, you know. And the idea that if people just see it, it's going to be spoiled is. You know, and then they're not going to buy it. We 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 have found I can't go too deeply into um, into the hows and whys, but there's we assure you there is no there is no there, <laughs> we it's are not more incentivized. Your stream. Gotcha. It is absolutely not. It is it has been very good. So um, the more people playing our stuff, the better. And um, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's like right now we have um, we just premiered Guardians at uh, at South by Southwest, yeah. right? And we've been doing these things in theaters for a while, um, and typically we call it crowd play, and people will fill a theater, we'll play in a big movie screen, and people just yell. And, 
there's a whole story behind that. But like it's that's we used to do that just for fun as a team, and we'd get together, you know, employee after parties. We used to call them Wine Fridays, and we'd all hang out and party and play our latest episode with friends and family, and we yelled the screen. And we people have done that with adventure games for years, but like then we started to notice that okay, well we're on tour with Wolf Among Us, we got some fans out, and like they're shouting at the screen too, like huh. I guess, I guess people do this in their living rooms, and this is kind of what people like to do. So fast forward to, like, another South by Southwest. We were there with uh, the guys at Gearbox. I remember I was with Anthony Birch and Matt Armstrong, the creator of Borderlands. We were at the Alamo Draft House seeing a movie that was, I think, about... Uh, it was kind of like Scent of a Woman, but with werewolves. I forget the name of it. Someone, someone will find it. I don't know. Uh, Late Phases, I think that was called. But we're just talking about how these these things kind of play in theaters and how cool would it be to open up a video game in the Alamo Draft House or at a theater. So mm-hmm. I think that was in spring. And then later that Thanksgiving, 2014, I want to say, we actually opened up uh, Tales from the Borderlands, premiered at the Alamo oh, Draft House in Dallas, Alamo. Texas. Such big fans. And uh, I remember James Wallace, the, uh, the manager of that theater, was so stoked. And they were all so cool to work with. We brought the fans out. We bought everyone beer <laughs> and burgers. Did they make, and like, an intro thing? That's the best they, part of they, Alamo. They did. Like, their, their, their pre-show, they yeah. made this whole, like, thing that was basically a Mad Max supercut, nice. which was kind of the vibe of Borderlands, which is awesome. And, oh, man, I wish I still had one. Maybe he still has it, but he had the special Tales from, like, a Borderlands-themed Alamo Draft House menu that night yeah god I, yeah i have a picture of it but oh. i don't know if i actually have one i should call james here and get one um and that was awesome we actually streamed that live on twitch that night and it was us and the guys at nerdist uh dan casey and malik forte we all flew out with um uh, the writer and the director and uh, the director nick herman he played and we all just kind of were drinking and eating beers and shouting at the screen like reese do this fiona do this and like and we streamed the whole thing live as the game was coming out that night it was the one of the coolest things we ever did. And then we did it again. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, we did Alamo. How do we up the ante on this? And then uh, the next time we did it was, um, uh, I've always wanted to do something here. But if you've ever been to Hollywood, uh, I think it's on Sunset. Um, not Sunset. I forget which avenue. But the Cinerama Dome. Are you familiar with the Cinerama Dome? Oh, no. It's one of the classic, ancient, like, Hollywood movie palaces. Uh, right in the center of Hollywood, right next door to Nickelodeon Studios. I think uh, Quentin Tarantino had this big beef with them, like a couple, like last year with uh, Hateful Eight, because he wanted to screen screen it there in 70, but he couldn't get it in, because oh. like Star Wars. I don't know. But I love that theater. And then um, it, it just looked like this big blocky dome, right? And it's like, we have this Minecraft game coming. How cool would it be to premiere Minecraft Story Mode at the Cinerama Dome? So we did that. We actually streamed that live uh, on YouTube Gaming Live when that was just kind of first being a thing. And YouTube's so big on with Minecraft. Filled the whole theater. I think there were over a thousand like kids and family just like yelling, you know, you know, Jesse do this or Jesse do that. And we had, um, you know, the cast showed up. We had this red carpet thing, and it was like kind of fusing games and cinema into one thing. And that was super cool. And uh, did that again with Batman last summer at Comic Con again at PAX. And now, we started it with Batman. You can do this now in Walking Dead New Frontier. You can do it in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. We've actually integrated Crowdplay as um, uh, an option where if you're playing in front of a TV or, or a giant movie theater screen, whatever, anyone watching around you can turn on, you turn on Crowdplay, and then there's, there's a login, and you just go to a website on your mobile phone, your tablet, your, your PC, any browser, and then it lets you, as you're watching the game, as the player, you can have your own audience watching you, 
and you can see the percentage of the audience and what they want you to say. Oh my and gosh, do. that's so cool. So, so that, that works right now. And we just did that at South by Southwest. At, and this was another like dream. It's been like dream come true after dream come true with this kind of stuff at Telltale. I'm, I'm, I, it's been a lot of hard work, but I'm very fortunate to, uh, I think we're all very fortunate, fortunate to work with an amazingly talented team that like puts together this amazing content. And then I get to go out on the road and, you know, play in movie theaters with fans. But we did, um, we did Guardians at the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas, which is this beautiful, amazing, legendary. Uh, any theater, there's a Paramount in Oakland, a couple other cities, I think, but just huge early century murals everywhere, huge red car- red curtains, and um, it's just so amazing and incredible. And we got to premiere Guardians there, and we had crowd play, and just everyone showed up, and they had their phones, and I was like begging them, please don't record this, don't spoil the whole thing ahead of time, we're not out for another month. And everyone was super cool, and we played the whole thing. It was still a little early, um, but man, like it was just so much fun. And, and I think with crowd play, like it's it's um, it's become a thing that you know we're, we're excited. And just today, the the guy in G, GQ put up a piece on Walking Dead and talked about crowd play and like how you can now play Walking Dead with your friends, and everyone can not only literally argue about the decisions you're making, but you can actually see who in the room wants to do you know kill this person or save this person. Um, so what we're seeing now is, I think the next step is, um, we'd like for people to be playing this over live streams like Twitch. Absolutely. That's what Problem I'm is, yeah. So, but we have a warning before you let a crowd play, because the issue now is that, you know, mostly on Twitch, there's like a 10, 12 second delay. Yes. And, and it, that's not entirely compatible with being there instantaneously. And like that five, you know, three to five seconds to make a telltale choice isn't compatible with a 12-second yeah, delay. Yeah, there are other platforms like Microsoft's Beam, which is just way faster, and we're, we're looking at that. We're looking at um, some other options and some other technology to, to, to maybe make that next step where, you know, really playing our games live and crowd playing over streams can, can be an even bigger thing. So we're really excited about that. And that's, again, something that happened just just by, you know, observing the community and looking at what people were doing and how they were, how they like to play our games with their friends and, and make it more of a social experience. So um, everything we do is kind of rolled together by us working with the fans and, you know, and trying to, trying to do cool stuff. Exciting. So is there anything else you think we should talk about for this portion of the show? You know, if you're a fan of Telltale and this is why you listened, um, thanks for being a fan. Really appreciate it. Um, if you've, if you like our stuff, you know, obviously follow us on uh, on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. So, again, thanks to Job for doing this and for letting me have a little bit of fun in the homage to Telltale. And I want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast. But to be honest, I do most of my tweeting right now from at Genesee, uh, just general. So if you want to follow that, you can, too. Uh, you can go to Facebook, Gray Area Podcast, and of course, iTunes, always a good place to listen. Uh, if you go to the site, Genesee.com, and that's where you listen with your RSS, you may be seeing uh, that I'm going to be uh, revamping that site as a landing page for just basically my info, as well as my other podcast, death to dishonorcom uh, So if you go there and you can't find the RSS, you should have a link, but if you can't, you can go to greatareapodcast.com and you'll find it there too. So if you see anything confusing, suddenly the site looks completely different. That's why uh, greatareapodcast.com will be live if that's the case, and you can go there. But 
Again, iTunes is always available as well. So if you have any great areas and you want to tell me about things you'd like to see or listen to, I guess, with gaming, you can always email your questions, advice, or suggestions to genesegray at yahoo.com or genesee at grayareapodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time with the second portion of this episode.